This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So this is what we see in Boaz. Boaz is not going to take no for an answer. And so Boaz now, he, he, he needs some witnesses, so he gathers together. He wants to make this a public transaction, so he, he gets 10 elders of the city. He's probably an elder himself, but he gets 10 other elders of the city. And so now he's gotten these 10 elders of the city together, and he says, sit down here, and they sat down. And we can just picture this scene. Boaz may have had the 12 chairs all set up in advance. We don't know, but there he is. He's sitting there with the kinsmen. He's sitting there with the 10 elders, and now Boaz is ready to speak to the kinsmen there and the 10 elders there are witnesses, and we just picture the scene. It's so clear before our eyes. He's got everyone seated, and Boaz now turns to the kinsmen, and he says in verse three, he said to the kinsmen, Naomi, that's come again out of the country of Moab, sells a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech. See, Boaz explains that, you know, Naomi, she needs money. She needs money. And she's intending to sell the property of her deceased husband, Elimelech. Now, okay, so what? No, no, it is a big deal. Because the way real estate worked in Israel is not the way it's viewed today. You know, today, what is it? You buy low, you sell high, and you make money. That's not the way it was. Property was not viewed that way in Israel. Because when Israel entered into the land for the first time, God very specifically divided up the land to the Jewish people by their tribes so that within each tribe, each parcel of land was divided to families. He didn't want the land to, to go to one person who had a lot of money and then he, and he would take all the land or the Arab people. Even today, as we found out, uh, 93% of the land of Israel is owned by the government. Why? It's because they want to make sure that it stays a Jewish homeland so that Jews should only buy the land of Israel there. And so so we found this out because we go to buy a, a property there, and so we find out that, okay, 93% of the land is owned by the state of Israel, and you have to be an Israeli to buy the land, 
or you have to be Jewish <laughs> and you have to sign an affidavit that you intend to move and live there. <laughs> and you have to be Jewish with the right to become an Israeli citizen, okay? Because if both your parents are Jewish and you were baptized, you cannot become a citizen. So but that's 93% of the land, very similar today as it was then. Okay, so, but, so that means that only 7%, 93% of the land's that way. Only 7% is private, and those rules don't apply. They found this beautiful house, and I prayed, Lord, if you want us to have that house, make it part of the 7% that's on private land. And it was. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, that has nothing to do with Ruth. I'm sorry. So I, no, sorry. No, it kind of, anyway. So it was very important for a family to have their land not have it leave their family. They should work their land. They should live off the land, and they should have it for their children to work and live off the land. That's the way it was. The land had to stay with the family, and if a parcel of land was sold, then at the Jubilee year, it returned back to the family so that families would not be snuffed out in terms of owning land there. And if a man died and he had no children, then it was expected that his brother would take his widow and have children with her, and the land would stay in this deceased man's name, and the children would be counted as the deceased man's children, and then the land would stay with the family name. And in the rare event that there would be no male children born, then the land could actually, in the rare case, transfer to the man who bought it, and it would, it would discontinue under the old family's name. And go. So that's the way it was. So when Boaz told Elimelech's kinsmen that Naomi intended to sell a parcel of land, that meant that the land would, was potentially, because, you know, he's thinking, well, you know, no, no male children. Hmm, this is an opportunity of a lifetime here, he's thinking. And since Naomi is too old to have children, and Elimelech had no male children, this kids that were alive, this kinsman assumed that there's no way for Elimelech's family to continue on. So he thought, the land is gonna become part of my family's property. And this is how Boaz is presenting this good deal to him in verse four when he says, I thought to advertise thee, saying, buy it before the inhabitants, before the elders of my people, if thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there's none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. So, so far in this proposal, Boaz has only talked about the land, and he's presented this as an offer that's too good a deal to pass up. It's going to increase his property. In fact, the way that Boaz presents this offer to the kinsman, it's masterful. It's just masterful. He presents this to him as a really good deal. It's a secret. It's a hot tip. It's something that it's very interesting in the Hebrew because in verse four, when it says, I thought to advertise thee, I thought to advertise thee, which when we read that in English, we're not even sure what he meant by that. But anyway, what it's really saying in the Hebrew, it's got two words in there. It's got a Hebrew word for uncover and a Hebrew word for ear. So what he is really saying there is, is that, I came to uncover the ear. I came to uncover your ear. That in Israel, you know, long hair and a beard was honorable. That's the way it was, you know. So what it means here is that I want to remove the hair 
from your ear so that I can tell you a secret. I can, tell, I can whisper a secret in your ear. So Boaz is saying that he wants to whisper a secret. This is a really great opportunity here for this kinsman to get a great deal and he could have more property all become his. And so then we can see Boaz encouraging him, like pushing him to go for it. When it's available, he says, you know, in verse four, buy it, buy it before the inhabitants, before the elders of my people. And we can picture all the 10 elders nodding their heads and saying, yep, wow, mm, good deal, opportunity. You should grab it, rare opportunity. Opportunity like that only knocks once, go for it. So this is the scene. And now we see how Boaz is now telling the kinsmen that this opportunity, it might slip away, you know, it might slip away because, you know, I'm next in line. And so he says in verse four, if thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou will not redeem it, tell me that I may know for there's none to redeem it besides me and I, besides thee and I'm after thee. So at this point, we would say to Boaz, Boaz, what are you doing? What are you doing? You've just presented this man with this incredibly good deal. He's about to jump for it. You're gonna lose Ruth. Do you know what you're doing? But he knows exactly what he's doing because then, and so he takes this bait in verse four and he said, I will redeem it. This is Boaz's plan because Boaz wants to draw out the greed of this, this kinsman, because the, the design of the laws of property were really never designed for self-enrichment. It was always a service. It was always a ministry to keep the property in the name of the family of the deceased. But this kinsman doesn't have any interest in that, and he doesn't have any interest in ministering or in serving that the property can remain in the name of the deceased person. He's only thinking of himself. It's only thinking of this is a great deal would be for himself. So this call kind of plays along with Boaz, let me uncover your ear so I can tell you the secret. He's played to this man's interest in self-enrichment. And it's like Boaz is fishing, and he's moving the bait, and he's luring this man in like a fish, and the, and the man has responded, I will redeem it. Now that he's drawn out this man's hunger for self-enrichment, Boaz now draws on this man's greed to the surface, and Boaz, he drops this bombshell with this Oh, by the way, <laughs> comment. He says in verse five, then said Boaz, what day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. So now Boaz is saying, oh, by the way, when you buy the field, you must also marry Ruth to raise up the name of the dead of his inheritance. And from that, Boaz has just jabbed him with four painful barbs, and here they are. The first painful barb is that Boaz is jabbed with him when he says in verse five, what day thou buyest the field. See here Boaz is saying, I know you wanna buy the field, and today's a great day to buy the field, but on the very day that you buy the field, you have to marry Ruth, because Ruth goes along with the field, and Naomi is too old to marry, and Elimelech's sons have died with no children. Ruth is the closest child-bearing relative to Elimelech to raise up seed from Lent. So you've got, so have a great life married to Ruth. You know, you know he's saying, I promise that I'll attend your wedding. I'll be right there. I'll throw the rice, you know. Uh, now, we can just picture this kinsman kind of, uh, this kinsman kind of cringing at the thought with these words on the very day. One thing men don't like, they don't like to be forced into a marriage. <laughs> especially, a, and so, and, and by the way, I say something about the Bible. The books of the Bible are written by men. They're all written by men. And, and if a woman was pretty, 
The Bible points out specifically that woman was pretty, all right? I mean, Sarah was pointed out specifically as being pretty in Genesis 12, 14. Genesis 14, it came to pass that when Abram was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman, and she was very fair. I mean, she was pretty. And Rebecca, she was pointed out as being particularly beautiful. It says in Genesis 24, 16, Genesis 24, 16, the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither man known her, and when she went down the well. Fair to look upon means she wasn't an eyesore, all right? And Rachel, she was pointed out to be beautiful. In Genesis 29, 17, Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. So the Bible points out when a woman is pretty, when a woman is beautiful. There's no mention of Ruth that she was particularly beautiful. But Boaz loved Ruth, and he wanted to marry her, not because Ruth was outwardly pretty, outwardly beautiful, but Boaz treasured something in Ruth, which he spoke of in Ruth 3.11. Boaz said to Ruth, and now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that requires. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman, a virtuous woman. He saw in her what Proverbs speaks about in Proverbs 12.4, Proverbs 12.4, a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. In Proverbs 31.10, Proverbs 31.10, who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her. And then in the same chapter, Proverbs 31.30, 31.30, favor is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. So this is the first jab that he's put on, on him. He says, the day you do it, you gotta marry her. The second painful jab that Boaz has jabbed the kinsman is when he, say, when he says, thou must buy it also of Ruth. But he didn't just say Ruth. He said, Ruth the Moabitess. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Ruth, he refers to her as the Moabitess. I mean, he's telling the kinsman that you're not just going to marry to be married to Ruth. You're going to be married to Ruth the Moabitess. The Moabitess were that the Moabites were hated by the people, by the Jewish people. So he's telling the kinsman, "Congratulations, you're going to have a Moabitess wife as part of the family." And we could just picture the kinsman. He's cringing at the thought of a Moabitess. And that's not, who's not even particularly beautiful. Oh, no. And so that's, now the third jab comes when he says to the, he says to him in verse five, he says, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead. <laughs> oh, man, the wife of the dead. So he's emphasizing that Ruth is the wife of the dead. He's reminding, he's reminding the man, this, you know, there's something about this woman that's associated with death. You know, her husband died, her father-in-law died, her brother-in-law died, everybody dies. And that's like Ruth is, that's like Boaz is saying to him, here's your new bride, she's the wife of the dead, everyone around her seems to die, so good luck, pal, I hope you make it. <laughs> so, and we can just picture the kinsman, he's cringing at the thought of being married to the wife of the dead. Anyway, So then the fourth painful jab comes when Boaz jabs him, and he says that in, in verse 5, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. Oh, he's really emphasizing this dead part, and he's in essence saying, 
congratulations, you have now signed up to build up both the name and the inheritance of the dead of somebody else. And that was purposeful when Boaz said that, upon his inheritance. He's in essence saying to this man, you will now be spending your time and your resources building up the estate and the name of a deceased man. That's very noble of you. And this was the most painful jab of all because this he thought, you know, I thought I was going to add to my name. I thought this was going to add to my, my property. I had no idea I'm going to be a servant building up another a dead man's name and property. Oh, no. And we can just picture this, this kinsman cringing at the thought of building up the name and the property of somebody else that's not him. He, so Boaz here, what a master, master negotiate. He should write the book, The Art of the Deal. <laughs> He's very good because this is the one that really worked for him. And, then, and after this, the kinsman realizes, I'm not gonna be able to just buy the field and it's free and clear and it's mine. I'm gonna be obligated to marry this widow on the very day that I do this. I gotta spend my time, my resources, building up the family name of a deceased person. It's all gonna transfer, including the land and the children to the name of the deceased. And, and, and I've, gotta, I've gotta have a Moabitess now in the family. Oh, no. Now, this is, this, this is what made him back out of the deal. In, in verse six, the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself lest I mar my, mar my own inheritance. Redeem thou thy right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. So the kinsman here is really afraid because you know at the end of verse four, he said, I will redeem it. He'd committed to buy the land for the 10 witnesses, and now he's going back and he said, I cannot redeem it. You know, And I know what this feels like because you know, on Amazon, when you buy something and, and they give you around 10 minutes for you to change your mind and cancel it with no consequences, I know I'm an expert at this. Uh, trust me. But anyway, so the kinsman, he jumps in and he immediately cancels his order. And the reason he gives in verse six is, I can't redeem it for myself lest I mar mine own inheritance. So he's saying, I cannot redeem it for myself. It's very clear he's only thinking about himself. That's it. He's not thinking about anybody else. The kinsman is described in Isaiah 56, 11. Isaiah 56, 11 talks about greedy dogs, which can never have enough shepherds that cannot understand. Or they all look to their own way, everyone to their own gain from his quarter. Philippians 2, 4. Philippians 2, 4 makes a command to us, look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Philippians 2, 21. Philippians 2, 21. All seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. 1 Corinthians 10, 24, 1 Corinthians 10, 24, let no man seek his own, every man, another man's wealth. The Lord spoke about in Matthew 16, 24, 16, 24, the Lord said that anybody who comes after him has to deny himself and take up his cross and follow him. And so we don't have these laws of building up another person's name and his wealth like they did in Israel. But, but, but there is a way that we can build up the name and the wealth of another person. It's described for us in 1 Corinthians 10.33. 1 Corinthians 10.33 says, even as I please all men in all things, but not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. The profit of many that they may be saved. That's how we build up another person's name and wealth, eternal wealth, spiritual wealth, that they may be saved every time you and I seek 
for a lost person to be saved from their sins, we are trying to build their name up in heaven, a name that's so important that it would be written down in a special book called in Revelation 21:27, Revelation 21:27, the Lamb's Book of Life, written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And because who's not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life in Revelation 20:15, Revelation 20:15, they're cast into the lake of fire. It's a wonderful title, the Lamb's Book of Life. So we work for a person to be saved, we're working in a self-denying thing. So we see this kinsman here. He's characterized by the selfishness. He's really characterized by the last days. Paul told Timothy in in 2 Timothy 3.1, 2 Timothy 3.1, this know also that in the last days, men shall be lovers of of their own selves, covetous, covetous. The Lord said, beware of covetousness in Luke 12.15. Now, the kinsman, he's really nervous. He might be stuck with marrying Ruth the Moabitess, building up the family and inheritance. And so he turns to Boaz and he says, redeem thou my right for thyself. He pushes the opportunity to serve others away from himself. You know, it's a precious thing to be able to serve others. It brings a tremendous amount of self-fulfillment. It just came to me recently because my brother, who's 80 years old, is um, having some problems. And he blacked out and hit some cars, and so they took his license away. He can't drive. Um, so I, I got him a, a phone and, and set up Uber, the Uber Uber taxi service for him. You know, I got the phone. He, he never had a computer before. He's never had a smartphone before. So I'm sitting there. I said, now, Bob, I got this phone for you. I put a sign here that says, this says the home key. I put a little sign here that says, this says Uber when it comes up. Put another sign here that says, this says off. This is what she needs to do. So anyway, so every week or a couple of weeks, we go through this routine on the phone where I get him to go on his own. I get him to go to Rosie's Barbecue in the Valley in Los Angeles, and he orders the Caesar salad, the garlic mashed potatoes, and the two ribs for $10.95, senior special. And every time he goes through this, he, 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 I said, Bob, push this button. Okay, push this button. Okay, now, now go outside and meet the Uber guy, you know. So the Uber guy, and I'm listening on the phone. Every time this happens, so I'm listening on the phone. So the Uber guy comes up, and he says, Bob, and then and Bob says, how did you know my name? <laughs> did my brother call you? My brother called you, didn't he? No. Okay. He says, so he gets in the car. He says, and then he says, how did you know where I lived? <laughs> and the next question, how do you know where I'm going? You know, it's every time, every time this goes on, you know. I said, Bob, don't worry. I said, the phone knows, the phone knows. And so anyway, so he, he goes through that, and then I call him. I said, okay, Bob, have you finished the, the you know, the, the, the Caesar salad, garlic, mashed potatoes, and the two ribs yet? No, not yet. Okay, fine. Enjoy it. Okay. Now, fine. You ready? Yes. Okay. Same thing on the way back, you know, the same routine. How did you know my name? And so forth. How do you know where I live? And, and you know, every time I do that, and I get them there, and I get them back, I feel like I've eaten the greatest meal on earth. <laughs> there is such a sense of this was a wonderful thing. It was wonderful to be able to do this. It makes so happy. That's what's involved when you serve others, when you minister to others. It's a tremendous sense of vicariousness, of success, and it's better than developing a new product at Scanabodies. It's a blockbuster. It's getting Bob to Rosie's Barbecue. Okay. 
So no, <laughs> but, but he doesn't want to do this. The kinsman doesn't want to do this. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.